to the Flawed Workshop Podcast with me, your host, Nancy Art Music. And me, your co-host, Alex Roberts. We are here with... Hey, my name is Zach uh, Eisenstein, and I'm a singer-songwriter. If you know who I am, it's from the band Man Overboard. Thank you for being on the podcast this week. Uh, we've been very excited to have you. Um, and obviously, we, we just mentioned uh, a little bit earlier that it's been uh, through some trials and tribulations and just life getting in the way. So we really appreciate you uh, coming back to us and being on the podcast. No problem. I'm happy to be here. And yeah, so I was working a regular job basically for like the first time in my life as uh which i'm sure we'll get into when we first started to do this podcast when we were talking about doing it so scheduling was like i was completely overwhelmed like i felt like um the guys in the movie Step Brothers when they have to finally get a job <laughs> yeah like and they're trying to be like grown up and stuff and it's just like not really happening it's not them that's like what yeah. my life was like at that time so thankfully things are a little bit back better back to normal now we usually do an origin story first tell us a little bit about your yourself and how you got into uh making music yeah, i mean it's really simple it was never even like a decision i made or anything it's been going on my whole life um when i was i can i can i can tell you it from the from the jump but without making it take forever because it's not that complicated um <laughs> But when I was three or four, my dad had a drum kit. There was a drum kit in our house, in the garage. I, I started playing it every day, loudly, to the point that like, by the time I was like six or seven, I was like very good at drums. He would take videos and uh, take me to um, Modern Drummer Festival where I would like perform or oh, front, cool. like, I don't know. I would perform in front of people and all these things when I was very little child playing the drum set. And um, that was my main hobby. like. You know, before I'm talking seven, eight, nine years old, that was like my main hobby. I was like, I'm a drummer. I'm going to grow up and I'm going to be a drummer when I grow up. I kind of already had the attitude, like, uh, very dismissive of like school or anything already because, and then you got to remember. So it's like, I'm 33. So it's like 94 or five or something. So I have, I'm looking at every day Nirvana, Green Day, Mm -hmm. The Offspring. And I'm like, just, that's it. This is me. It's viable. Like, I'm going to, that's what I'm doing. That's literally the playlist I was listening to earlier. So, So, but, so as I got, you know, as my, I guess my brain developed a little, by the time I was like 12, I wanted to write songs. So I started to teach myself how to play the guitar. And that dream just kind of morphed into like wanting to be a songwriter and a singer. And, um, but it's, it's been I'm going to be in a band or I'm going to be in a musician or I'm going to be a rock star. Like that's, that's only, that's the only mode I've ever been on my whole life. Mm-hmm. I never was sure. Like I didn't have an idea from man, from man overboard when I was 14 or anything, mm-hmm. but it was never a question what I was going to do. You know? <laughs> it, it was music, but you didn't know what. <laughs> yeah. And it was being a band. It was, it almost felt like I, it almost felt like I knew like, Around the time I'm 18 or 19, I'll make a, I'll settle on an idea for a real band that I can be in when I'm an adult. But I'm just 16 now, and we're going to make this hardcore band. It was like I was so confused about everything else in my life, but not that, ever. Around that time when you were sort of 18, 19, trying to like figure out what your main sort of, what kind of band you were going to kind of commit to, did it ever really feel like a, a big daunting decision? No, because thankfully you know and that's where the other guys start to come into the picture and nick and wayne were becoming my 
friends at this point. They were, they, we didn't, they were becoming the, we didn't meet because we wanted to play music together. They were becoming the kids that I hung out with every day. Like I, that was organically hanging out with and, and they were talented and they started, Nick also wrote songs and the songs that I wrote, they wanted to work on with me and really like Nick had a studio. So it was very like, me and Nick were this awesome match. Like I'm this kid who is writes like 10 songs a week. And Nick's just like got this awesome setup trying to be in a band and just make demos. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that became like our relationship. And so we're, ba- we're to answer your question, we're going off these songs that I, either I wrote the whole thing or he wrote the whole thing. So they had a, those songs inherently had a style mm-hmm. that like dictated. We knew what kind of band it was just by listening to the songs. Now, there wasn't a lot of other pop punk bands at the time. They were like dying out. A lot of it, stuff. It was, was out like, of fashion. Yeah. Yeah. And fashion was the thing. Everybody had like the haircut, you know what I mean? And bands yeah, yeah. like, I'm not knocking anyone's hustle or anything at all, you know, but it was not our type of thing. It was like the true days of like, you know, cash, cash, or like the all time low haircut and Mayday Parade and the main and like mm. all the, those bands rule and they're all awesome guys and are great at what they do. But there wasn't, it felt like the kid in like the vans with a skateboard and a backwards hat listening to pop punk that had like died out. We didn't have a lot of peers for that. There's but, only so many times you can spin dude ranch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so we were kind of, we knew kind of like we're that we knew like that's what we are. It kind of sucks that like, because at the time it was true. At the time there wasn't a lot of pop punk bands to play with. So we were like, it kind of sucks that this is what we sound like. And we're going to go out and play with this kind of new breed of Mm. bands. But whatever. We also didn't expect Man Everboard to be as popular as it was. So we we hoped, but we didn't. You can't live like it's going to be. You know what I mean? You have to just do, you have to. It's like, it, it sounds like it just, yeah, like you guys just did it. It's so nice to to hear that. I think a yeah. lot of times people get in their own head about how they're going to do something as opposed to actually just doing it, which is mm. what ultimately stops people from, yeah, doing it. Yeah, I think, and we did, you know, there was, they're more, Nick and Wayne are, and Justin are more cautious guys than I am in general. I think they like there were times they got in there like we canceled the first like 20 man overboard shows. I literally 20. I didn't um want to cancel one of them. <laughs> Everything else in the someone else would have a reason we are not ready. Mm-hmm. So right. and I think that's like okay to a degree because we like you said, we ended up doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. But that's the dangerous pattern of behavior, I think. Which is just like, and I remember back then saying it was dangerous. Would you say one of the major things was having to collaborate? Because you're suddenly in a group with, you know, three, four, five people. Yeah. um, And everyone's individual. Everyone's got their own thing that they're bringing to the table. You know, did you guys find a way to nurse that? Because I know that uh, there are a lot of people in sort of multi-person bands and things that are, that that, that, that's always like an eggshell conversation for them. (laughs) I think we worked through it because... Like it was the very beginning of the band. So I think I would have, I was probably able to be a lot more patient with the situation then mm-hmm. than I would be able to be with it now. Okay. Because now it's like, I don't think of it this way, but now it is effectively a business. And mm-hmm. now and we like have something, we have built something. 
I was a 19 year old at the time. And what man overboard maybe had a hundred fans in the world. And it was people that listened to us on MySpace, So it was like, who cares? <laughs> Whatever, dude. Like if you want to push off and this went on, I don't mean to make it sound like this probably went on for like three months. Yeah. So, you know, I was like, you know, looking at my watch a little bit, but I knew that I knew that we were about to embark on something special. And I was like, very, I guess it was my first time working with people like Wayne and Nick in the sense that like all my friends were like, just go, go, go. They were the first kids I ever met that were like, wait, (laughs) (laughs) think, just think. So I was kind of like walking a tightrope or a balance. You know, most days I would be like, oh, wow, thinking. That's very interesting. I never thought of that. But there were definitely the days where I was like, man, you know, shut up. But be on stage. It worked out. out, No, awesome. So because you mentioned that you you don't think of it as a business or anything, but yeah, I mean, it it, it pays pays for living at the moment. But at what point did it? did that suddenly become a, a realization of I've gone from beyond it being a pastime and a hobby to hang on, I'm actually supporting myself with this. Emotionally. It's when you realize that you're like not coming home for years. Yeah. Like basically you're like, I'm, I'm going to be home next month. I'm going to be home for three weeks. And then you think, then you realize three weeks is about as long as I get to go home now. Oh my God. Like, that's, that's just touring. Yeah. 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 But really that's like what it was like emotionally for me, but I mean, financially, there's just stuff that happens like in front of your eyes that you can't deny all of a sudden that, you know, when the band started, I lived at home and came home from Warp Tour. And all of a sudden I realized I'm coming home to an apartment that's mine, a dog that's mine that lives there and a girl friend that I live with who lives there all the time when I'm not. And I have like a family. Aww. And we're talking like a decade ago, but that's like. That's when you're like, well, clearly this is my job. If I was to not go play a concert right now, that dog wouldn't have food. Yeah. Just rent it like, or like, it's like a job, you know, I could mm. skip one concert and the dog would still have food, but you know what I mean? Like, this is what I do now. And you've been, and you've painted yourself into a corner because mm. you have not put eggs in any other baskets. You have not, mm. you never tried to you don't even know if you're good at anything else you don't even know you assume you're not it sounds like you've always this has always been the focus and so it makes sense that you would not have any other eggs in in any other baskets yeah exactly which is not responsible though a lot of people would say well, I mean, I don't know. I, I think I, I'm I'm romanticizing this because mm. obviously, like this is this is partially this is what, what a lot of people would consider to be the dream. You have a creative um, hobby that turns into a career, um, yeah. but I think when people think about this, is part of the reason I, I like this podcast exists, as you know, is that there's a lot of the middle bit that's missing because I think when people think that they've reached the summit of their careers they're living in mansions or they've got like all this stuff and they can where's my p diddy yacht yeah exactly <laughs> yeah um but of course there's uh it, it you're essentially running a uh like a business that rests on the shoulders of you and your your colleagues which yeah. are the members in your band so like it was there a lot of like you mentioned that there was pressure but was it ever kind of stressful to a point of paralysis or 
something was there anything like that where you were like oh my god this is really scary no i will say that you mean like personal paralysis or like we or like the band as like a unit uh whichever yeah Yeah. for me no not really no the scariest thing to me in life has always been not being able to go play i'll be fine otherwise um but me and we um have been uh no not really to answer the we thrived on the pressure and like i said they remain as we matured and got older nick and wayne remained how they were when i said they knew how to wait they knew how to think mm. they, they they stayed that way and got better at being and justin too the only reason i didn't bring up like meeting justin i should say this to like backtrack a little bit justin our one guitar player i've known the longest me and him have known each other since fifth grade and we've Aww. been in a band together since fifth grade so the other guys like came into the picture and it was like two friend groups, you know, yeah. but, um, and Justin's always is the business mind of our band and the most talented in that regard. And mm. he has a natural, you know, when we were I like a funny story, I like to tell people about him is when we were 12 years old, he booked hello goodbye to come to our town and play at a church. Wow. Like, 4,000 kids came or some crazy shit. There's like people out now. It was like, <laughs> like 700 kids came. Yeah. <laughs> paid hello goodbye like, and they know that we talked about this. They were very young. Paid hello goodbye like, and he didn't know he was a sixth grader. Yeah, yeah. He told them he would give them like $700 and he made like $4,000. And he oh gave them, gosh. and he gave them $700. And then we took the four, the, the rest of the money and we went to Guitar Center and spent it all on a PRS guitar. 12 year olds like what do you you know what i mean what do you maybe i was 13 and he was 12 maybe that's incredible that's that's great (laughs) he's been and yeah like i mean anyone from hello goodbye or the early november or whatever can Mm. can back that story that's legit it was a church in haddonfield new jersey and (laughs) um that's my point is however i've always been about writing songs he's just had it in him he's just me and him Mm. have made a pact like you know you you I'm gonna take care of the music side of things. You get us our our name out there. You get our name out there. Like you're good at it. You you're good at that stuff. You know. I write I mean? the words. You move the t-shirts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that that stuck. Um, so with guys like that in the band to kind of balance how like mm. erratic I can be, we didn't really get paralyzed that by a lot. I think awesome. there's a lot of balance mentally when it comes to the creative process and when you are. Uh, writing things or you know finalizing song structures and that stuff what what does a bad day look like for you guys or for you and how like how do you sort of get through that a bad day for me writing honestly with you guys a bad day for me creatively i it ends very early like i don't um i feel that it's not happening or whatever for whatever reason or whatever's coming out of me is like impure or however you want to describe it, it's just too hard yeah i will play playstation like i don't care I, I mean i care but i can't i don't care to like fake it basically so i don't it's probably bad i don't try i kind of give up i i always do it i always pick it up again the next day always and sometimes I'll, it'll be, you know, I thought of something that made that gets me out of that rut that I was in yesterday, mm. or I think of a whole new thing and I don't care about the thing from yesterday anymore. 
But either way, I guess time would be the real the answer. I think time is the is what I what I need in this situation. So bad day looks like I just I say screw this hmm. and I do something else and I give it time. Really. Yeah, I think I think a lot of the problem that some people have, I know I have it, is where if I find something isn't working, particularly if I'm doing my writing side of things, and I'll go back and delete the same paragraph like three or four times, mm-hmm. I don't give myself the break just to go, this isn't happening today. Like, just stop. Just give yourself yeah. a minute. Um, it, it, it's taken me a long time to learn that skill because I then think- I guilt myself into, I've not done anything. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you risk feeling that way. I think I'm the way that I kind of figured out that was the way is inherent, something like inherent about making like pop punk or emo or something was just like, I, I saw really quickly that like there was a difference in the public's reactions to at the end of the day, only I knew like if I'm singing about a girl and a guy right now, or I'm saying all this stuff, only I really know if it really happened or not. Mm. like you know what i mean and that's a whole nother element of things and i learned really quickly that i could like notice a difference in people's people that would have no way of knowing their connection like when it was real like to the point that i was just like convinced like i write i I write trash if it's not real Mm -hmm. most of the time it's real so it was almost like i made that choice because i was like too self-conscious we're like yeah i've made up stuff for songs and people love the song but in my like whatever 24 year old ego, I'm like, nah, they don't like it enough. They don't like it like they like the other one. That those lyrics aren't tattooed on anyone. Mm. It's not, not good enough. It's not real. That's such so. a like specific metric. Like <laughs> yeah. how many tattoos has this got? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can just yeah. imagine. How, how tattoo worthy is this song? Is this album or, cover? <laughs> yeah, or like there's no one knows making you see which lyrics are turned into like gifs and memes and mm. stuff. And you see what songs people like resonate with, or you just see which songs have the most plays or you see yeah. who, what has the most people singing along when you play live, you just know. And yeah. it didn't take me more than one album cycle for our first record to realize like, uh, I need to like keep it a hundred percent real with these people all the time and I'll be good. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is about Real Talk. Um, uh, you know, your first album stuff. It's um, it, it just comes out the gates from a, a band that like when I first heard it. Um, so I was I'm, I'm you know, a couple of years younger than you. Um, mm-hmm. It was a case of, oh, this is very relevant <laughs> to me, and and sort of exactly what I'm like. And I'm a big like pop punk emo fan. Yeah, um, and thanks. I appreciate that. There, there, there isn't. You know, when you, uh, sometimes with, a, with an early band, it will just be a case of, okay, you've got like an EP's worth of decent stuff there. Um, yeah. Going to a full length, you're kind of pushing it. Mm-hmm. You guys just didn't seem to have that problem at all. We had too many songs. <laughs> we, we had to cut it down to 10. That's yeah, a really we nice problem to have. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, felt that, um, I mean, Real Talk was special. I really felt that every song on that record could have been the single, quote unquote. Hmm. I didn't really, I, I just, that was real. And the difference between real talk and other man overboard records is really simple. It's that real talks written by a kid who's not in a popular pop punk band yet. Hmm. All the other albums are written by a kid who's done warp tour. Who's toured with newfound glory. Hmm. You know what I mean? 
whenever you want to been to every country mm-hmm. gone to australia four times like that's the kid writing the other records and i think there's something that will never be the same for every band that's the that's the case you know that's how your first you're not popular before your first stuff obviously so uh that that adds a difference to it for sure i feel like i hear a lot of people a lot of musicians say that they're because because of that shift where it turns into a career you and there's more of an obligation to make uh music that things sometimes come across maybe a little bit insincere or if not insincere then a little bit cocky and and kind of uh not necessarily arrogant but like with a little bit more confidence and that's what changes things is is that kind of what you think was the difference or was it something else no i think there's something to be said for that um and that affects the feeling of being legitimized affects people differently a lot of people it affects in a positive way like it's going to make you more the adult that you were going to be anyway it probably just quicker just like if you got a job at a bank and got a lot of promotions young and you just had it in your mind that you were established like the same thing that would that would have done to you you know what i mean mm. maybe it's a little if you have like yeah i've never felt like a rush of power because there's fans who know the songs or anything so like no ego in like that regard Wait, Do you I not feel slight ownership over someone with a tattoo? <laughs> I I felt insane at some of the tattoos before. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I'm like touched by it and I love it. But um, it's like, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's any different than like any, like a hotshot. What about like a 28 year old doctor? Mm. Like, you know what I mean? How they would feel. Like and you and a lot of these bands are not making doctor money, but what they're doing is cool, and it's what they wanted to do. So I think in in good normal people who aren't prone to being like egomaniac psychopaths, it'd be no different than that, you know, mm. like any other profession. Just feeling established, having a little more confidence in life. Mm. You don't think you're better than someone. I never thought I was better than someone because I played a guitar for a job and because they worked at a school or a bank or or whatever they did. But I was proud of myself for doing what I wanted to do and for it working. Like if, if, if if your dream was to be a teacher and you went and got your degree and you got a job at a great school and you're happy, I'm just, I think you've done something just as amazing as I have. Mm. You know what I mean? But we, but yeah, you walk with the confidence of of someone who's done it now because it's what you wanted, or if this is not what you wanted, they, so you say people depressed on tour, they just kind of <laughs> fell into yeah. that life, yeah. you know. What would you say to? Because we have a lot of musicians that that listen and that that have been on. What would you say is the sort of like the the main piece of advice you would give for someone going on their first tour? Like start, yeah, okay. they're still small, starting out. Oh. Don't be above anything. Um, don't be afraid to go out to the parking lot before you're set and say, yo, my band is starting. Come in. <laughs> yo, we're starting. <laughs> we drove 800 miles. Come in. <laughs> um, don't take... To, uh, but this, um, I'm thinking your first tour. I was preparing a whole different answer. They said that. Uh, Oh, just any tour. Yeah. No, but I mean, your first one too. And and ask people, your first tour, just be ready for anything, man. 
you're sleeping on floors. Mm-hmm. You 13 of you in a motel room. Like you're doing, and if you're, you have to, it's the beginning of a long, arduous road where you will lose and lose and lose and lose in hopes that one day you get it back. There's like phases. Mm. You, you tour and you lose money. And basically, like, I'm really oversimplify. You tour and you lose money. Then hopefully you tour and you break even. Then hopefully you tour and you make money. Nice. But that first period is is tough. Yeah. And that's why people quit. A lot of people would be happy to travel all the time and get paid well. The reason not a lot of people do it because they give up on the hard part. So I would tell someone who's on going to the first tour, you're entering the part that makes people quit. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, be aware of that. Always remember that. Hmm. That's the stage you're entering right now. So don't. And how would those people know whether or not to persevere? Because this is, uh, we, we talk about a lot uh, about whether... Who who can who's the judge in the end about whether or not your work is good? Because I know for both Alex and I, when we do when I do art or music, sometimes I'm like, oh, I can't even show this to anyone. I know that's definitely the case for for you and your writing. Um, yeah, and so getting on stage to play music didn't have a problem with that. But as soon as it came to the writing, <laughs> it's really weird how all these creative outlets have have different thresholds for different people. But um, let's say somebody's been on tour, they're losing money, they can't sell any tickets, uh, their social media like no one's showing up because they have a weird cult following in Bulgaria, for example, and they can't make it out to a show. Um, what would you say? Uh, to those uh and and how would you maybe advise uh people on whether or not to persevere based on who turns up to your tour (laughs) or before quitting and giving up i would really ask them to evaluate what, what their plan has been thus far and if they have been executing it effectively and if they have, is it, uh, is it the right plan? Mm. It might not mean your music is bad. You might be doing it wrong. It's mm. okay to have it not figured out. You might be doing it wrong. If, if we had it figured out, there'd be a book and everyone would be rock stars. But like, so first I would say, if you really in your heart, do people tell you your music is great? Do people listen to you? Do people say, that song you wrote stuck in my head? If they, do people tell you how talented you are? If the answer to this stuff is yes, then don't evaluate your plan mm. for maybe you might be doing it wrong. You know, um, you really got to think of things to every angle before you just give up. And there's stand, a lot of people think this is the part people aren't going to want to hear, but a lot of people think that they have tried and they have not. Mm. They have not. Or like you didn't, we went on tour for a month last year. And then six months later, we went on tour for a couple of weeks and like, blah, 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 blah. Sorry, dude. I didn't see my parents for over a year and didn't make a dollar the whole time. Like it's real. It's real. We people, you go hungry. Mm. So I think a lot of people. We live in a society where it's like my. You know, this is one of my favorites. It's like my my nephew plays guitar. He's so talented, you know, and he's a songwriter too. Okay, and he has his YouTube, he has, he makes YouTube videos and he does open mic nights and stuff, but he just never really got his big break. No, 
get out of my face. And that discredits everything that everyone. No, he hasn't tried. You just told me exactly what he is. He's a part-time YouTuber mm-hmm. looking for a big break. You think a guy in a suit's going to walk in and hand you a business card like in the movies and be like, hey, kid, you just got discovered. Like, it doesn't happen. You yeah. make a little more money than a little more money than a little more money. And you figure out a way to make a little more and a little more and a little more. Nobody's saving you. And mm-hmm. I think there's a misconception that if I just am at the right place at the right time, which is that's not true. Because say you're the right artist and you have the right songs, but you are just playing shows once every few months, hoping to be in the right place at the right time. Right. Let's say that works. Let's say by chance, somehow you play 12 shows this year and one of them, there is a guy that can change your life at it. Right. And he thinks your music rules. You know what he's going to say? You only played 12 shows this year. I don't care. I want to, I want to, I'm going to sign someone who's doing the work. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sign someone. They want someone who's doing it without them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't want to make something out of you. They yeah. don't want to work. They want to find someone who's going to do it, whether they have, whether you're around or not, they want to find someone who's going to do it mm-hmm. with or without them. And then they want to hop on that train. Yeah. Mm. It's kind and of help. Has- it's the other you know, way around like, now. I yeah. think there's there should be a movie about like a talent scout that like goes to try and find <laughs> the band that's doing well on Instagram before anybody else. And yeah. <laughs> like exactly, and that's the other thing we can all promote ourselves, um, but like it that that misconception has always been there since before social media was like the way it is. Like I don't know, maybe before my times when we were children, I guess it was like that. But mm. it has never. When I started being like trying to be a professional musician those days were still already long gone they were already ancient history yeah. there's no guy coming to save you and and my and it's i i can tell you this is you know my eight man overboard's agent will tell you the same thing it's like they they are always looking for artists and they want to help and getting an agent and getting a manager and getting a record label is they can do things for you but they're not just gonna say oh your songs are good and you're trying no yeah you need to be doing something already that they want a piece of. That's how mm. you get good. So mm. I feel like that answers that kind of, sorry, that was like a really long answer. No, it's no that, was, that was ideal. And yeah. I think that that's exactly the kind of like tough love that sometimes, mm. that, not sometimes, that's needed. But whether it's listened to or not mm. is a whole different thing. Because sometimes people will be like, no, no, I'm special. I will be found. Or, yeah, he's right, but he doesn't know me. Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. And I feel like when I started working at my office, and this was such a like recent realization, this was like two, two or three years ago, I was looking at buying a new guitar. The logical side of me woke up and was like, I don't understand why you're buying another guitar again. You haven't touched any of the ones that you had. You haven't made any music in about a decade. You were tough on yourself. Yeah. And I was like, it, it kind of woke me up. Because I was like, oh, actually, you know what? I can't even, I can't sit be sit around and be like, I can't believe no one's found me yet. Because I haven't even been doing the the thing that the nephew did in, in that scenario with putting <laughs> right. up YouTube videos or anything. And I was like, well, you oh, have that's... a show. You have yeah. a podcast. And I'm sure a million, you put your time into things that bear fruit. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. like, this is uh, an example for me of, of like, a part of the reason, like the the very main reason, uh, I think deep down, and, and the selfish reason for starting this is to cathartically, like, and therapeutically, just kind of vent to other artists and people and be like, "Doesn't this suck sometimes?" 
and you've created that's a genuine urge you had mm. and you've created and you created something that people can they pick up on that mm. it's I, like I, when, yeah, a, a bad song you've recorded is still better than that person that has a song that's never been recorded or heard by anyone else mm-hmm. yeah um, you, it's <clears throat> like it's it's scary to put yourself out there sometimes particularly at the beginning um, or particularly when you're trying something new. And I know Nancy's guilty of this, but expecting to be an expert in something the moment you start doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, And and it's like, no, it takes a long time to put the hours and the effort in. Uh, Yeah. I, uh, this was all I ever wanted to do. So all I ever tried to do was get good at playing instruments. All I ever tried to do was get good at writing songs and it never felt like work to be Mm -hmm. fair. Yeah. And it it shows but I know I put those hours in. Mm. Like, I know I did play, but, you know, crap. Like, I played so much. I spent so many hours in my life. It's like, I feel very lucky. And then also at the same time, it's like, do I think I know any other people, like, who aren't in bands who have, like, sat in their room? Or any of these, like, the YouTuber scenario. Do I think that kid has sat in his room and alone with his guitar and written songs for the same amount of hours that I have? Hell no. Mm-hmm. I don't like no. Yeah. But I never did that because I had this like drive to be great. It was just like what I wanted to do. Yeah. You can you know I mean? it's because you like so, it. I think something because I think the because of the romantic ideas around having like being a musician or an artist or just any creative career, I think there because it's so romanticized, some people pursue it for the wrong reasons. And it yeah. ends up being work whether or not they are doing something that's perceived by most other people as fun or not, which is a bit sad. Um, I wanted to uh, ask about, because of course, a lot of the, the, we kind of uh, have been striving to get a range of people at like different stages uh, in their career. You mentioned that um, you uh, are able to kind of uh, get the help of an agent, a manager and a label. Um, Can you, Talk a little bit about the benefits that like a band would get from uh, people like that. Because I think, again, there's the perception that like, oh, I can be my own agent. I can be my own manager because social media allows me to do everything. Um, But is that true? Um, I will say I would start my answer by saying. Never pay anyone to do anything you can do by yourself. Mm -hmm. But But there's a caveat with that. You need to be realistic about what you can do by yourself. Yes. So there's a second caveat. You've actually got to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, so meaning, like, I'll make it a little more specific. Example. Now you're in a band, and you say you started a band, and you guys have ten thousand followers on Twitter, and you get approached by this guy, and he says, "I'm starting a record label." And you check him out and he doesn't really have any artists that you've ever heard of. And you click on all of them and you guys have like 10,000 followers and they all have like 26 or 50. Asking yourself, what can this guy, am I already bigger than this guy? Hmm. Why is this guy so, it ties into what I was saying before. These people want to see you do the work, right? Mm -hmm. So you got to know and be real with yourself. Are you really putting like, what? What, what does this guy want to do with us? Like, we're just, we're just, there's going to be people who try to 
convince you that they can help you. Mm -hmm. There's also going to be people who really can help you. Mm -hmm. You need to be really focused on pushing through the first group at first and doing everything you can alone and keeping all your money because you're still starting off, you know, and not giving a slice of your money to someone who is not really above you in the Mm -hmm. entertainment industry at all, connections wise or anything, and keep an eye out for that first real person who's probably going to come at a time with a few other ones. And you know why? Because now you've been putting in the work Mm -hmm. and now you've been doing it the right way all the time and you haven't given up and people are starting to feel about you that I need to hop on this train or it's leaving without me. Mm -hmm. And you will know when that is happening and they will be people who have artists you have heard of before. Mm -hmm. And talk about what they did for someone last week, not what they have planned for you three months from now. And you're the first person that, you get what I mean? You kind of have to, there's always going to be people who can really help you, but they're not going to be interested in you at first. (laughs) The people who, and then there's going to be people who they think you can help them legitimize their thing. Mm -hmm. They're going to be interested in you at first. Mm -hmm, mm You need to, Block them out business-wise to be everybody's friend and and be accepting and looking out for the, the, the real, the big leagues, the real thing the whole time. And you will know when you've earned it, it should serve as some sort of indication. Mm-hmm. If there's 20 kids coming to your show every night, why is this guy so interested in your band? Mm. Yeah. Now, when there's 800 kids coming to your show and you guys you guys leave with three five thousand dollars every night, and then a guy's like, "Hey, I think I can make something out of you." You're like, "Well, this makes sense." You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like this makes sense. Who are you? And then he ends up, "I I did this band and this band and this band." And you go, "Yeah, we kind of sound like them. This makes it. This is legit. Yeah, that's what will happen. Mm-hmm. All like the best way, you know." And, would be and then like that. once that once that wonderful connection is made you've worked hard you found each other what uh what is what what kind of help does that well it's just like next level of everything right so for our case it was like yeah we got to the point where we could book ourselves a a show and 400 people would come and we could do that all up and down the country every city we want and we're Mm -hmm. not on a label or anything but that doesn't so, so how we don't know anybody in newfound glory. Mm-hmm. We don't know anyone at vans for the warp tour. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So, so we got this agent. His name is Matt Blake. He's a great friend of mine to this day. He's the man. We never have a bad thing to say about him. So a guy like him comes in and goes, Hey, Kevin, you know me. I'm the guy who sent you 20 of the bands that are on warp tour last year. Yeah. I have a new band that I believe in. They're like blowing up and I'm going to, they can blow up bigger. I'm putting in. And so maybe it's not Kevin Lyman. Maybe it's <laughs> booking agent for newfound glory. Maybe it's green day. Green day doesn't care who man overboard is, but green day goes, they're on Kenmore agency. Like I don't, that's how you get, 
that's how there's a reason the people from the agency have those relationships. They've done good business for years. Mm-hmm. So, so, so it's almost the case of you have to legitimize yourself to then get onto the agent's list who then legitimize you further to other people up the chain. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's just, but a guy like that isn't going to just, oh, you made a YouTube video. You guys went on tour last month. Cool. Like, I don't <laughs> care. He feeds his children this way. This is a, this is a real, you want this to be your job. Mm-hmm. There are already people out there who it's their job. So they're not really going to mess with you until you at least show that you're trying to take it that level. So, mm-hmm. You know, and then to answer your question. Um, yeah. So that's like with an agent with a label. I mean, yeah, you guys can get like a million streams, but can your record get in hot topic? No, your label probably has a relationship with hot top. Mm-hmm. You know? Or you think that your favorite band they got more popular when they were in hot topic. It's like, that's what I mean when I say, don't pay someone to do something that you can't do yourself. Now we're talking about people who can do things you can't do. This is what I mean. Your agent can do things you can't do. He can call newfound glory and say, Hey, uh, you're taking this band out in September. Bye. (laughs) You you can't do that. That's worth paying someone to do. If you're a new band, Mm. he can call hot topic, your, your label, can call hot topic and say oh yeah and there's four thousand shirts coming to be sold in your store bye you can't do that you know what i mean so eventually people will come along being able to do things that you cannot do you just can't you need someone to do them yeah that's when i, I just want to warn to not get involved with people until you've hit that point no we never did that's awesome to to know because as nancy said you know a lot of people are at that stage where it's perhaps just at the point where they're getting to to that moment. And yeah. yeah, it can be intimidating. It can be scary. You don't actually know what you're doing. Like no one gives you a blueprint for what this is. Right. Yeah. I would say if someone's trying to get involved in your art as a business, as a rule of thumb, like you should be able to tell I'm your friend, right? I'm not them. I'm your best friend. You tell me Zach, this guy wants to do this as a rule of thumb. You should be able to tell me three things that are awesome that are going to happen that like, I'm like, Whoa, yeah. Wow. All right. Cool. Sell yourself to me. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like otherwise, nah, he's cool. Like it's just going to like look over stuff and like blah, 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 make it more legitimate. Just make it more legit. No, this is making it less legitimate. Yeah. It's more legitimate when it's all you and you're a boss doing everything yourself. That would be more legitimate than this. Yeah. Yeah. Just be wary. Cool. I, um, I wanted to also kind of, it's uh, like the, obviously because I feel like the uh, if we could call whatever it is I tried to do with music a career, <laughs> um, uh, it's like it was quite heavily misguided. Um, and uh, I've now found something that I enjoy doing. <laughs> Hope you're okay. <laughs> oh, I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. That's right. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's uh, like I'm, I'm still kind of finding my feet and obviously I still like uh, kind of doing music casually and stuff. But um, for yourself, because uh, like you said earlier, it never really felt like work. Um, and I think it that's kind of like what ideally people would strive for when they're kind of uh, trying to make something that they love a career. Um <laughs> what what would you say are like the the sort of 
something that uh, something unexpected that kind of happened that you that just kind of took you by surprise that was like oh I didn't think about this or like I didn't realize this would be this hard with being in a band specifically it was the travel that whole time growing up I thought about <laughs> weird thought about I daydreamed about being in music videos. I daydreamed about playing big concerts a lot as a child. That was like my main spacing out, like mm-hmm. zoning out. So I would imagine all the time when I was a kid, especially when I was playing an instrument that I was um, playing in front of an enormous crowd. And throughout all of that, <laughs> it never occurred to me that like, you know, you don't just go to Philadelphia and do that in Philadelphia every night and then come home to New Jersey. I think that's like what little kid me thought. I think that I was like, well, every night I'll say goodbye to my wife and I'll grab my lunch and I'll go to the city and I'll play a 10,000 people rock concert and then I'll come home. It's when, it's when you find yourself in Munich going, oh, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can't go home. <laughs> it's obvious. And you're like a 20 year old at that point or 19. So you're still like, you're like, damn. You're still kind of like young enough to be like, yo, I never realized we would be away from home this long. <laughs> I'm like, I know, this is insane. But you're young enough that it's so exciting that you go screw it. And you realize that you're dumb and you should have realized that. And you don't play Nirvana and Green Day and 311 and Offspring and all those bands. I only saw them once a year because they were only in Philadelphia once a year. So why mm-hmm. did I think... What did I think was going on? So it's kind of just like a funnier thing than anything else. But I never, because I, I felt like so prepared for like what I wanted to do in every other way. I just don't think I ever like, and thankfully I, I consider myself like a good traveler, if not by just because I've been conditioned to be, but I think like I naturally am anyway. Like I'm, but so I'm, it's, it's all right for me. But um, I I wasn't prepared for that at all. I never realized that like quite this, the severity of like, you know, signing on to a tour that's two months long and then coming home for two weeks. And before your, your next one starts, that's two months long. Mm -hmm. Life on the road didn't really um, eat at me. I don't think thankfully Mm -hmm. mentally as some of the people I was around, like I'm, that's one way because there's not a lot. That's one way in life mentally that I've lucked out <laughs> that I, got, I drew the good card. Um, I saw a tour, I think, take a toll on some quite a few people worse than it did on me, you know, mm. for sure. Just being away from the family stuff. The first day away was or leaving was always very rough for me physically leaving mm-hmm. Say goodbye crying again with your girlfriend because you just got home and everybody's and the first few days on the road again to be sad because people just like we love doing it like me more than anyone else this is what i want to do with my life but i missed my family and my parents and stuff and i just got home and we had just made money, but you can't, you can't stop. Like you, you need, cause then you'll mess it all up. Mm. And it's like everything I've been telling you guys the whole time about like, just put in the work and stuff and you can't stop. Mm-hmm. And then a few days go by and you're just like, forget about it. And you're in the mode of just calling people on the phone again and living through FaceTime and stuff. And 
Do you let the excitement of playing in a band and fulfilling your dreams distract you from the things that make you sad because nobody's life is perfect and you're still a very lucky dude or yeah. girl yeah. or they, whatever you may be. Following on from from that point, then uh, you you guys took a massive step and you, you went on hiatus. How did going on hiatus um, impact you creatively? And uh, j- just what was that? What was that experience like? The reason it happened is because like, um, we had been on the road for like eight years straight mm. with little breaks at home, and Nick trying to start a family so you know i get and uh same with justin he was trying to get that ball rolling we had been on the road for a really long time and i think that that was starting to eat at them like i don't i don't which i get that's fine i think that was starting to have an effect mentally and um so I was kind of just met with that. Like, really, it's not. And it's the things they are your best friends first. So it's really just like, it was never really like a second thought. Like, oh, we got to go on hiatus or no. It's like, oh, well, Nick's, we're calling it a hiatus to the fans. But I mean, yeah, yeah. Nick's having a baby. Justin's trying to have a baby. So we just said what we said. And we were like, there's life happening right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we need, to, uh, we need to live for a little bit. Now, that being said, so I wasn't <laughs> thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> happy for everybody mm. but it's never something i wanted but yeah i needed to um kind of just accept that that's what's going on in my friends lives so that's where it came from the hiatus it had crazy effects on me creatively i started all these different projects that sound different genres and because well, i was gonna say because you started was it bright green and there was echo ddt yeah, and I felt like I just needed to build this little tiny little thing for myself to bridge the gap until when we come back. And I think as I got a little bit older into recent times, and this is not a dig at anyone in my band. They're my brothers for life. But I don't think that we have the same idea as what we want our mm-hmm. adult lives to be like. I think I like caught the bug the rock and roll bug like way harder as a kid which is fine they are all doing like amazing things nick has an awesome studio that's what he always wanted that's his dream his stuff sounds amazing and he had and that's and i'm happiest for him because i know that that's what he's always wanted so i've been working on some stuff that i haven't really well i haven't released any music from yet so i had those side projects you were talking about and I think, like, in more recent times, like, kind of realizing that I don't need to make a side project. Like, I need to admit to myself that I kind of, for me, I need to make a project project, a main project. I need to make my yeah. my main band, you know. So recently what I've been going through is really hunkering down and writing as best as I can for myself, just like I did for Man Overboard. And um, I'm working on basically uh, my first true congratulations solo right yeah. thank you i'm gonna get to go start recording it in two weeks and hopefully it'll be out early next year and it's gonna be i think mm. very well hopefully but i think it'll, it it should be taken with open arms by man yeah. overboard <laughs> fans i know like these songs are done i know what it, i know what people like and i feel really good about these songs that i've a lot of them are 
at the time of them being written or created were for Man Overboard. Now they're just going to be released probably this batch. I'm going to probably release under my name Um, because, yeah, I just, you know, everybody's doing their thing now. And so what I've been going through recently creatively is kind of figuring Mm. out that I need to, and I'm no different. I need to figure um, Mm. out something serious. So I've been Mm. working on this record. Yeah. So I haven't been working much on Bright Green or Echo DDT or anything. I love those things and I'll work on them more in the future probably, but I need to like focus my efforts right now on a, So how, how are you thing. going about doing that? Is it sort of like brand Zach? Yeah, actually it's my middle name, Zachary Ross. I like that. Yeah, that's how I like it. Thanks. That's how I want to do it. That's what I think it's going to... You heard it here first. Will be right. <laughs> and it's my name. Like, that's like my... That's a, like... Someone in my family would call me if they were upset. Like, yeah. That is my name. When it comes to sort of looking forward into the, the next thing, now that you've got, you, know, you do have fans, you've got a following, you've, you know, internationally known. How does that affect the your, your creative process? Is it a case of you you feel there's expectations to hit, or is it, or, or was that something that you've maybe just said, I'm I'm just going to keep doing what I like doing? Um, I used to feel the expectations a lot before the hiatus. It was they were increasing. Mm. Now I think I'm in a really nice place because of it. Because we went away for a little bit, um, I feel really comfortable in the sense that I haven't put out music in a few years. So I know that I'm sitting on more good ones than I've been going into a record like Heart Attack or Heavy Love. I haven't been forced to create in so many years that I have. There's been some really good ones along the way that no one forced me to create and that haven't come out yet. So. I have some confidence in that sense. There hasn't been the rush right now. I like we're talking currently. I haven't had that rush, that press between two album cycles. So I'm doing really good with it right now. And to answer your question, yeah, it would, and it would be like that when you when you do an album, and then most of the time you're on tour until you're expected to make the next album. And that was that was going to be a follow up question because when when if you're you know you're, you're touring so solidly so hard is it a case of then you're just like all right okay now uh, now we've booked time for you to be in the studio you've got four weeks write something well for us it was I, I, in my life I try to make it we we're never in that situation because I just have thankfully been pretty productive always like there's always nights where even like if I spent five nights on tour out partying and drinking at bars there was at least one where i was maybe even locked in the bathroom of our hotel room or my hotel room writing like i used to be i was i wrote um songs in in the bathroom in singapore on the floor for for heavy love because that's just like when i had the idea so eventually you adopt the mindset it's like yeah Like, that's when you adopt the mindset that, like, this is what I do and I'm not coming home. And like I was saying before, of like, you only want to work or I only really work when the inspiration's real. So if you're only going to be home for four months this year and like total or less, four weeks even sometimes, and the inspiration comes while you're at the hotel room or while there's a party going on, but like, you got to just go do it now. This is life. There's always going to be a party. You're not going home in two weeks. You're not on a vacation Mm -hmm. that you need to make the most out of. You live out here in this craziness. You know what I mean? You live out here. Tomorrow night is going to be another city with another group of people 
who only see you mm. that night of the whole year. And they will, they too will be trying to make the most of the night. And they too will be trying to invite you anywhere you like to go. And sometimes you, so yeah, I would, I would, I would write anywhere to try to avoid that. There was tons of times I'd just be like, I'm not doing anything tonight. I'm not going out. Like I'm mm. staying on the bus and playing guitar. And I know there's people, like, I have friends like that, too. Will, from the story so far, is very much like that. And he's just like me, where he's social, and he likes to have a good time. No one would really describe him otherwise. But it's super easy to find him just, like, taking a walk with his guitar. Because I think it's really in him, like it is with me. I don't think he needs to, uh, mm. he'll never be a shortage. You know what I mean? Kevin, the other guitar player, is the same way in that band. And I don't think they'll ever have a shortage for that. Those kids mm. truly hang out and play guitar and I would get the songs written one way or another, you know, but there was still like, are they good enough? Yeah. You know, now I don't feel that as much because I've had so long <laughs> to work on them. And I'm I like, know they're good. Yeah, they're, they're, they're great. Yeah. I think I've been able to kind of like capture, recapture that spirit a little better with the hiatus sitting at home dealing with, you know, we had stuff with my family and growing up a little bit. And like I said, I did for a brief period. I worked a regular job, which wasn't, there's nothing wrong with that. I was a union painter uh, for a auto body painter for Ford, but like that just wasn't me. And that's a great life. And there's a lot of great guys in that shop that are going to make um, great support their families and be very happy. It's not me. Um, so I kind of took a step back from that again. And like I said, I was probably when I was younger, I think I was under the impression that, which was naive of me, that my band was like, we're just having Aww. babies and we'll be right back. <laughs> what, what do you mean they're an 18 year commitment? Yeah. <laughs> but, do, but do you also think that, that part of yeah, but do you also think that part of it is uh, having the experience to just to sort of reaffirm and that? This it, that you know that that isn't what you want to do, I cause, yeah. Because um, I've I've spoken to a, a quite a few people um, in different creative arts and things um, who uh, sort of say that yeah they found the value in realizing what they didn't want to do, um, and it's not always a case of uh, there's you know, there's a load of pressure to find what it is you love. It's like well you got to realize what you don't like as well. You're absolutely right, and it's like. I knew I wanted to, it's like we've been saying, I knew what I wanted to do my whole life. And I think I felt, I had convinced myself through some sort of thing, I don't know, that, well, maybe it wouldn't hurt to get a steady nine to five with benefits and blah, blah, blah. Hey, you're already in, you're, you, you've, you've, you've done it. You, you know, people like your band. Mm -hmm. Everybody's really nice to you. Still make some money doing nothing, just being in this band. Um, Maybe it'd be good to get some mm -hmm. some benefits, and I had to attempt that to 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 understand that I wanted to say. After that, it's like once I attempted it, it was clear as day. Yeah, on paper that would be a good thing to do, but that's not what I'm doing. That's not yeah. me. That's not that's not me. That's not what I do. I've never done. And I'm bad at it, like mentally, and like this is I am who I am. Like in my case, I'm very fortunate, you know. And I told people in my life, I'm not working anymore. I'm quitting. I'm, I, I say I'm just going to focus on my music full time. 
everybody that was in my <laughs> life was like, yeah, duh, I was going to do that. And I felt so, you know, hmm. that I'm very lucky. How many people in their 30s tell their friends, family, peers, eh, you know, I try, but I'm just not doing it. I'm just going back to like whatever, making music. And they all go, mm, yeah. Yeah. It's quite funny because when you said uh, like, oh, just like a job with benefits, it was almost like it, it sounded more implausible than touring mm. the world and playing music. <laughs> it is to me. I, I, yeah, it just is to me. I had I had enough money to to take care of myself by playing my guitar by the time I was 22. And, I, and it, when I was pretty sure I was do, getting there by like 19. So like... Of it psychologically for me, I doesn't. I I'm amazed by people doing other stuff with their life. I don't know. My resume says I started a band when I was in high school. We have a top twenty Billboard record. I've toured every country in the world. Sold all these records. Blah blah blah. blah, blah sold all these T-shirts. My resume made it look like I brokered all these deals. Like just ev- ev- everyone, and, um, like, no one knows what happens. Yeah, ev- ev- everyone does that with with their resumes. It's like oh. people loved it. Like employers. <laughs> Far and wide, love. I think I'm just going to rewrite mine and just just like, say I was a rock star for a while. They were well. They were just like it would be like you'd get the interview and they'd be like, That's <laughs> just amazing. Well, where so where <laughs> so you must have been everywhere. Have it and then you're like yeah, and they're like, have you played in England? And you're yeah. like, no, 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 everywhere. Yes, I played in England. Or you get the guy who uh, goes, all right, listen, I'm not going to lie, I know who you are. And call my wife right now, she would freak out. <laughs> and there was things like that in the shop that I worked at, where it's just like, you know, other employees being like, the way so-and-so interacts with you is so cringy because he thinks it's cool that you're in a band. And I'd be like, yeah, but sorry. We're like, he only lets you do this because he thinks you're cool. And I'd be like, and the only reason I work here is because I haven't wrapped around my finger. Two things. I am in a band and I am cool. It's... it's- <laughs> Like if it wasn't like that, I wouldn't be here because I don't have it in me. So I tried that for a little bit and I realized it's not going to make me happy and um, I just need to put in the time. And I also realized that I had never tried and I evaluated my plan like I was telling your listeners to do. And I said, well, how do you expect to make a lot of money playing music when you go work on cars all day? You need to quit and go start making your music again. I personally, and it's not as easy. I make it sound easier than it is. I have a lot of some advantages because my band already did it, and I already had a bit of an income from making music. So I don't mean to make it sound like it should. Yeah, but be when that you when you were nineteen everyone. and stuff, like there's nothing. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, no, there was nothing then. Yeah. So I just I realized that I need to, you know, maybe I have some money put away from something or something. I need to just quit this job and make it happen for myself again, which I never really tried. You know, I did little side projects and stuff and I did things here and there. So I evaluated my plan and I told myself, you need to go make a solo record and it's just gotta be you. There's no new social medias or nothing. Everything just goes right back to you. It's just your name, no new band name, no new nothing, no new sounds, just good old Zach songs people like. You go out there and the way it's like, Having being an artist, I don't need to be rich. I don't. I'm not that type of person. I would really like to not have to have a job. Uh, it doesn't matter if I don't care about wealth. I care about you know just ha- being having the things I want. 
I just see things as like a little storefront, no matter what it is. So like, say you're a musician and you're listening to this and you made yourself a Spotify page, an Apple music page or something. And now mm. you've opened a little store and people stop in your store when they listen to it and they buy something. I'm sorry, but that is, mm. that does count as them buying something. And they can buy, make bigger ticket purchases from your store mm. if they were to get a vinyl or if you sell CDs, but you're just a little store. And the beautiful thing about your store is it's not located anywhere. It's, people can access it from everywhere. So just anywhere someone wants to listen to you or read what you wrote or look at what you painted, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they can. So you're just this little, I just like to think I'm just this little net out there trying to catch a living. I've been doing all right. And I mean, all right. Like I'm not, that's not like some, like, I'm like a really rich guy. Being <laughs> like I've done all right. <laughs> like I've done all right. You know what I mean? And yeah, just being happy with that. On that note then, um, where would be the best place to direct people for you? Well, if you're interested in um, the dance music we were talking about, that's echo E C H O D D T. Like the wrestling move, you can find, you can just type that into Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, Apple Music, whatever. And you will be linked to tunes to listen to and enjoy. And that's like some like, I call it experimental pop. And um, uh, so then I have a band called that I started a few years ago with some really, really great friends of mine around here called Bright Green. Same thing. I think we're bright green gang, maybe on Instagram, and but we're but same thing. Wherever you like to stream music, that's more pop punk oriented. Except then, there's one album that's more like alt rock. And in the future, um, I would just say my I um, to keep a lookout for my on my social medias. I'm Zachary Ross on Instagram with two little underscores after it. And um, on my Twitter, I'm Zach Overboard. And all the stuff that I'm working on right now is just going to be released through those channels. So just keep an eye out on my stuff. And I would really appreciate you keeping an eye out on my stuff for the music that I am, yeah, that I'm, you know, going to be putting out towards the end of this year and early next year. Awesome. Amazing. Zach, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us and uh, you know, impart some words of wisdom and just uh, sort of tell your story a bit. Um, really, really appreciate it. So thank you. I appreciate you guys giving me the outlet. Felt good. I feel feel weight off my shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> so it's the, the weirdest thing. We hear that surprisingly yeah. often. <laughs> I have been Nancy Art Music. You can follow me on TikTok and Instagram at Nancy Art Music. Alex, where can we find you? I'm Alex Roberts, and you can find me on Instagram at Alex Roberts Writer. Mm -hmm. And you can find my first collection of poetry, Empire, on Amazon. <laughs>